Welcome to Add to Cart, the show where we celebrate creativity and commerce. Today, we have my friend Sashi Chandran on the show to talk about her amazing company, Tea Drops. But before I introduce you to her product, before I introduce you to this incredible entrepreneur, one quick side note. Sashi is the only person who's ever beat me in a pitch competition who then became my friend. So you have to believe that there is so much for you to learn in this episode of Add to Cart. Sashi, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm, I'm really excited. excited for you to be here. So I want to talk about your company, but first I thought we'd make a cup of tea because I think wonderful. that's incredibly important. So yes. these are tea drops. Yes. This is your patented bagless tea mm -hmm. product. Mm -hmm. So we'll just take this matcha green tea out of here. So just describe for folks the uniqueness of this shape. This is a... This is that's, you're having the matcha and this is the ube, which both happen to be squares. Um, but essentially, it's a bagless form of tea. So it's finely ground tea compressed into a shape, and we add some organic cane sugar, and you just drop it in hot water. Okay. Kind of like and a bath bomb. What's interesting, what I love about these is they're all different shapes. So I got yeah. a square, and you got a square, but, I know, but we, we have, have Hello Kitties here. Yeah, Hello Kitty's head. You have hard stars, flowers, that in that little cart is our little gray, so it's in the shape of a flower. But I think that's what makes it super fun. It's just... And it's, just, it's going to basically, as I stir this yeah. in my hot water, it will essentially become my cup of tea. How long will it steep in here before I can drink it? Probably like 30 seconds. That's it? 30 yeah. seconds? Wow. Mm -hmm. Okay. And, and depending on, you know, we've been sitting here a little bit, but um, the hotter the water, the faster it will dissolve. Okay. So you kind of just have to let it sit. And what I love about, about it is mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's not my grandma's tea. That's right. It's like, it's yeah. like millenn hip millennial, mm -hmm. hip a millennial new approach, tea. A fresh approach to kind of that tea drinking culture, which is thousands of years old. So it's kind of fascinating that no one's really, you know, brought any new perspective or innovation. When I met you, category. this was one of the things that I was so fascinated by. We've been drinking yeah. tea for basically as long as humans have been recording history. Mm -hmm. And yet the format for how we've been drinking tea had not changed. How yeah. did you come up with this totally new concept for presenting tea in cute little shapes? Well, so, you know, my background is I come from a very tea-centric household. My dad was actually born on a tea estate in Sri Lanka, which wow. is a fact I didn't learn until I was very deep into the tea drops journey. And then my mom's Chinese, so that, you know, on her side, tea is such a huge part of their culture. So growing up, I, I had both of those influences. But as you grow older and you're going through college and I had my first big girl job, I was... Um, still trying to make loose leaf tea at my work desk, and that's when I realized that there's so many steps involved in making a good quality cup of tea. You have your kettle, you have your strainer, you have to steep it for five minutes. By the yeah. time you make it, you have to run to your next meeting with a tea bag. It's like, where do I dispose of it? It's never as high quality as loose leaf tea. So that was really the inspiration for me to It's start. very fussy activity yeah. is how yeah. I would describe it. It's why it's kind of, I think, got an old school reputation yeah. is because of how fussy it is. And also tea bags are just not cool. You look like a mess, hot mess with your You tea do bags. look like a hot mess. <laughs> and so we just wanted to create something that was like seamless and approachable for all that still like, you know, kept the whole quality and ritual of loose leaf tea just without the hassle. Okay, I told you I don't really like matcha, but yeah. I love this. <gasps> really? I actually do That's really like this. That's what a lot of people who don't like matcha say about ours because it's, it doesn't have that super earthy It doesn't taste, taste. like grass. It yes, tastes exactly. like green tea with just like a little bit of smoothness yeah. on top. I yeah. really, really, I actually really like it. Oh, great. So tell me about deciding to write the patent for the tea drop. How yeah. in the world did you write this patent? I went to a local resource center called SCORE and they mm. help, you know, small businesses. They have mentors, etc. 
So I talked to a mentor there and he actually was a retired attorney. And when I was sharing my idea, he was like, I, I think you might have some IP around this. Like, have you thought about patenting it? And it hadn't even crossed my mind. And so he's like, if you write it, I'll review it. And then you can submit it on USPTO. And you got the patent. Yeah, it took five <laughs> years and a lot of back and forth because, you know, there's objections that they might have you have to overcome. Yes. And um, a note for myself for, for doing this again, it's really important you have great, good counsel from the get-go. And at that time, you know, you can only afford Joe Schmo down the street. Yeah. And so I feel like I would have gotten the patent so much faster if I would have just invested in good counsel from the beginning. And as a result, this is the only product in the world that looks the way it does, that dissolves the way it does, that yeah. has the drinking experience that it does. How many of your customers, when they first encounter tea drops, have that magical moment? What do they describe to you? in yeah. terms of their first experience with Well, it's drops. funny you say magical moment because that's the one word that keeps popping up is like, it's, it's um, my magical tea moment is what yeah. they call it. And um, the reason why we kind of adapted the whole bath bomb analogy is because customers were like, oh my God, it's like a bath bomb that I just add yeah. and it's my cup of tea. So I think that those buzzwords really, we started incorporating it into a lot of our copy, into our videos, and um, it seemed to resonate you know, a lot. So I think the visual component, it's, it was hard at first because anytime I would, I would have a show or be presenting tea drops at a show, people were just, they didn't understand if the, if the tea drop was in addition to the tea, you would add it or how it oh, worked. And so, so they thought it was like a sugar cube or yeah, something. Yeah, they were like, oh, so do I add it to my tea? And I'm like, no, it is the tea. <laughs> and then that's when I realized like, oh, I have to like break this up and make, at that time I was like manufacturing this in my kitchen but make mini samples of how it worked and really demonstrate it every show and then really empower the customer to try it themselves and actually make it themselves because when they made it themselves, they could just see right how easy it was and how intuitive it is. One of the things that is non-intuitive is you don't strain it. Correct, right? yeah. You, you can just drink it. So mm -hmm. talk to me a little bit about educating your customers. How have you thought about educating them? You don't need to strain this product. You yes. can just drink it as it is. Yeah, I mean, that was and continues to be a hurdle that we have to overcome is that in a lot of Asian cultures, you drink and consume the whole leaf tea. Mm -hmm. And so here, it's just more about educating on the benefits, the antioxidants that are in loose leaf tea, and really also comparing it to a kombucha or some other pressed juice where you do have the natural sediment of the fruit or whatever it is at the bottom and that it's perfectly healthy to drink. So with a lot of content, we have to demonstrate that and hit that message over and over again. So whether you are getting one of these Copper Cow Coffee collabs or you're getting a Hello mm -hmm. Kitty or you're getting one of the original tea drops, you're gonna get a demo that's specific to this product that's gonna let you know exactly how to drink it. Yeah, and that's like key because I think when you have, you know, this is such a departure from what is traditionally in the category. Mm -hmm. um, and I think with that comes skepticism. I think with each product we launch, um, we get a little bit smarter about how to educate the customer um, on it. But I think it's a lot of trial and error we've had to go to to finally get to the point of, all right, this has to be on every product page. And not only product page, but then you have to hit them again on social, and then it has to live. There has to be a document of how this all works on our YouTube page. Um, so at every touch point they have with us, they're always getting that like that demo or having that, you know, answered for them. What inspired you to sort of say, I'm not gonna go the Justin's peanut butter route, for example, and just keep grinding it out at farmer's markets, but you're going to build your own .com and really try to have an e-commerce empire. What yeah. got you going in that direction? 
I think there were two things. It's one, realizing how expensive the grocery retail route is, that it's not just about getting your product in, but there are so many other middlemen and fees. So when you go on, on a grocery retail shelf, you have to pay a slotting fee. So that's almost like rental space to even be on okay. the shelf. And then you have to basically, um, your product goes through to, to the retailer through a distributor. There's a distributor cost. And then the retailer needs to hit a certain margin and they have their own promos. So when you're looking at like all the costs involved and especially at the time when we launch, D2C was just a much smarter route with better margins. Right. Um, not only that, but we're lucky that we have a product that's lightweight, um, that ships easily, yep. that has a two year shelf life, all of which just make it the perfect product for a direct to consumer. And so those two things in mind, and we tried the retail route first. It wasn't from a lack of trying. It just was, we would get into retail and then I would realize all the fees that were involved. And at that point I was bootstrapping the business. Right. So I had to transition to D2C, which ended up being the best route for us. You remember a few years ago when everyone lost their minds about the waste of Keurig K-Cups? Oh yeah. And yeah. I've, I've often wondered, well, how is that all that different from, a tea bag? you know, these plastic tea bags with these fancy printed labels on the end? Yeah. It's, it's still quite a bit of waste. It how is. How do you think about the waste comparison? Well, there's two components. One is, I don't actually think a lot of people know what's in your tea bag. So majority of tea, 80% of tea bags in the market are bleached. And Great. Yeah, that's <laughs> number one. Second of all is they're made of microplastics. So that, and it's, it, that just um, is exacerbated by super hot water. So that's also floating in your water. Also fabulous. So um, that's one. And then two, the waste factor is real. You know, that we've reduced um, the, the necessity for the microplastics in the tea bag, but also the string and the stapler. So we're about a, a 15 to 20% reduction in waste. The last frontier for us, because we do want to move to completely um, being compostable in next year, is the recyclable sleeve yeah. that you need a protective barrier because it's a food product. So um, that will be the last frontier for us to make it 100% compostable. Have you seen that your demographics are getting younger at all because of for just how sure. modernized yes. the yes. experience has become? Yeah, and there's like a couple factors. Before, our key customer was I think average age was 40 and, uh, you know, we're like a busy mom, mom professional. And slowly with the introduction of our Hello Kitty line, but also the rise of bubble tea and boba tea, which right. we are really on, on, um, on trend with that, or at least in 2020 when all the boba shops were closed. You we, were the an, op an option. Yeah, we were really the first to take advantage of that because I did a Google search and saw there was a huge rise in people searching for bubble tea, boba tea, but all the stores were closed. Right. So we quickly put together a bubble tea kit and that became our hero product of 2020. Fun. Um, so that has also brought a younger demographic as well. Let's talk about some of the things that your business has done differently to really try and attract and retain customers. One of the things I've seen you do really well is press. Mm -hmm. So share just a list of the places where y'all have been featured as a company. Let's see. So. Um, were we were featured in Oprah magazine. Uh, any all of the major ones like Marie Claire, Forbes, Entrepreneur, um, Good Housekeeping. Like I think you name it, we've had some touch point with it. Um, and does it work? I think that's what a lot of brands want to know: is does press actually work? I think it's like a flywheel, just like you know, content paid the whole the whole digital marketing flywheel, it's very similar with press, that one article 
or one you know feature is not going to move the needle but sure. everything in tandem yeah i totally agree and i think the other thing too is what so many brands need to realize now is it's actually not about flash in the pans mm -hmm. anymore because you can spend all your time you spend a whole year trying to get one flash in the pan it actually is more about how do i sustain a low and steady state of customer awareness yes. across a lot of different channels. And that's what I think I've learned just doing this for a while is that, you know, these flash in the pants, like the celebrity endorsements we get, or we had, you know, a feature on ABC and that did better than our Black Friday, Cyber Monday combined. But that, and it's an exciting moment, but just that consistency of building a loyal customer base takes so much time, um, but I think pays off dividends, right? right. When, you, when you actually invest in it. Well, because how rarely are you actually building a customer base from that one blip? Yeah. You're getting, you know, temporary yeah. transactions. Yeah. And, and we've done it. Some will convert. We've done GMA. We've done, you know, we had ABC feature. We've done all of like, I've been on HSN four times. So I feel like we've seen that and everything is a choice because you only have so many hours in the day. And if you're spending it, you know, on all of these other of short-lived opportunities i think that um, just takes time away from building the core of your business i love that you've also tried to do things that are maybe outside the norm mm -hmm. so you know for example you were telling me recently you did mailers direct which, mailers direct <laughs> mailers which to some extent i don't know that i've ever opened a direct or like looked at <laughs> yeah. a direct mailer but you said it's working why do you think it's working i think because there's so much noise online now mm -hmm. that like you have to stand out you either have to have amazing content um, you have to have a really um, strategic paid strategy. Otherwise, you're going to get lost. And I think we have to start thinking about, ch about channels where there isn't as much noise. And mailers is definitely one of them. You know, but I've definitely started seeing increase of a lot of D2C brands who are now, you know, I'm getting physical mail from. But before that, that wasn't the case. So I think, I think it's just more realizing that, hey, there's a lot of noise and how do we break through? I want to talk about the mm -hmm. decision to do a collaboration with Hello Kitty because now I've brought it up three times. <laughs> and I don't know that I've ever seen licensing in my coffee or, you know, licensing in my tea. What went into the decision to go after a partnership like this one? One thing that differentiates us is the shape, mm -hmm. you know. And so Hello Kitty actually approached us um, because they've seen us over the years and um, they knew that we could do some form of custom shapes. And when I first, you know, thought about does this, every time we have, you know, cause we've been presented with other collaboration opportunities. It's like, does this make sense for the brand and who the customer is? The interesting thing that I wasn't expecting was this greatly helped reduce our cost of acquisition online. Why do you think that was? The power of the Hello Kitty brand, which I didn't even realize the fandom associated with that organization is is huge and so having our brand um, paired with the first of all just Sanrio Hello Kitty but then also visually being able to see the shapes and the line yeah I think that was just a perfect we, we saw our CAC go from like a 30 to 40 percent reduction that's amazing yeah just overall just because of this line and do you think it taught you anything about really dissecting that customer behavior, yes. what do you think it taught you about just sort of looking at what, it, what does my customer love and, and what takeaways could other people glean from that? You know, we take ongoing surveys, um, post-purchase surveys on what, what they're watching. 
So like we see like an uptick. on Netflix yeah. or Hulu or whatever. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we we see a huge uptick of Bridgerton. We see certain trends right happening. Um, and so that informs us of like, okay, future things that we might want to approach or tap into or maybe potentially do a collaboration down the line. We all ask the same questions, but mm -hmm. a post-purchase question that's maybe unexpected probably gleans you more results and yeah. gleans you more responses. Yeah, because also it's like informative. You constantly want to know because it's changing too. You know, what other media are they are they consuming? What else is important to them in terms of values and priorities in their life? Because then you can actually tap into and do other collaborations, partnerships, etc. Shopify stores have been hit really hard, I think, post-pandemic. Yeah. Talk to me a little bit about having also a retail presence and how you think about that in terms of rounding out the entire picture. You know, to put all your eggs in one basket, that makes you very vulnerable. And so we constantly have to be thinking about other avenues for our product. And we're lucky that we are omni-channel and that we have a retail presence. So during this time, I think we've been reassessing. And what also people don't talk about a lot is the pricing structure you have between your D2C, your website, and retail. Hmm. And sometimes you can't always control the retail price because of the distributor um, costs and then also what the retailer takes. But I think it's really important to have consistency. Sure. And so we've actually been trying to kind of backtrack and make sure that pricing consistency is there between our website and retail. So there isn't this favorability. Um, Which when you have 2,500 stores carrying your product. I know, a lot so of we work. can't control it, but we get customers all the time be like, how come you're, you're charging me this much online and I can go to natural grocers and get it for you know, X, X percent less? Um, and we don't want to have that disparity. And it's really easy if you're in a CPG company to get yourself in that situation. And we're leaning a lot more into what's happening in retail. For us, it's just deciding, well, in the, both it's a short-term and long-term investment of mm -hmm. do we believe that retail is going to be a um, kind of a, like a permanent channel for us? And also, you know, then what is the intention behind what we have on e-commerce, which is we really want that to be a place where people can build subscriptions and have more personalization, customization if they want it. Sure. So the strategy for each one's a little bit different. Well, I learned so much today from Sashi. I know that you probably learned a bunch too. So Sashi, why don't you look at that camera over there, tell the good people where they can buy their own tea drops. All right, well, we are available on myteadrop.com and also available on Amazon and in over 3,000 retail stores. If you go to our website, you can search find a store and find a store nearest you. If you enjoyed this conversation, you learned something today, please like this video. And if you wanna hear other conversations like this one with other founders who are building incredible e-commerce stores that you can learn from, that you can try their tests, that you can actually steal their wisdom and make your store more successful, then you need to subscribe to this channel. Thank you so much for being here, Sasha. Thanks for having me, Liz.